Welcome to the Dwell Church Sermon Archive. Dwell is a family defined by the love of God and committed to giving it away. Here is this week's message. Dear friends, God has spoken to me. He has told me something to tell you. Now pause for just a moment because that's not normally how I start these sermons off. How did that exactly make you feel? I imagine there's like a a diversity of responses across uh, everybody watching. Like some of you might be thinking like, uh, okay, this is getting a little bit weird. Maybe there was sort of like an instantaneous kind of like fear welling up inside of you of like, what is he about to say? What is happening? I'm not sure if I want to continue watching this. Uh, Maybe some of you were like, okay, great. Hit me with it. That sounds good. I don't know. There's probably a lot of different responses. Maybe even confusion might be. Uh, the sort of most primary response of just saying like, well, this is interesting. Like, what's about to happen? Now, uh, conversely, if I were to start off and I were to tell you uh, God heard a word from me or I spoke to God, you would react a lot differently, right? Like to that sentence, to that idea, we don't sort of automatically have all these walls coming up. We don't automatically have all these questions and concerns and thoughts. We're just like, oh yeah, God hears us when we pray to him. Like if you've been a Christian for any amount of time whatsoever, one of the most core and fundamental beliefs, even one of the beliefs that we hold before we're even believers, before we're even followers of God, is that God hears us when we pray. And yet when you flip that around, and say that God is speaking to us and we can hear him and he can guide our lives and speak into our lives, all of a sudden a million red flags go off in our heads. But weirdly enough, uh, the Bible is filled with stories of people hearing God speak. And to us, we've created this sort of like partial relationship where we're really, really sure, really, really confident, uh, really, really proud of the fact that God hears us but really, really hesitant to say that we are hearing God. And it's kind of a wonky relationship, right? It's very one-dimensional. It's just us to him. And then maybe in these really spectacular or out there uh, circumstances, maybe in circumstances that happen to other people and not to you, he speaks to us. It's a very like one-sided relationship where we're just kind of throwing stuff out there and not getting any response. It's like super wonky. You know what type of a wonky relationship it is? It's exactly the same as this one, right? I am here in the Dwell Mobile Command Studio, a.k.a. my garage, speaking into a hunk of plastic and metal and electricity and glass, and I am not getting any response from you. Maybe you've already checked out. Uh, Maybe you've already scrolled past on social media. I don't really know. It's a very one-sided relationship where I'm just sort of like speaking, and it feels like I'm speaking into nothingness with the hope that maybe you're hearing and you are not responding at all. Usually while I'm preaching, I'm used to like, you know, uproarious laughter and like long bouts of applause where I have to pause what I'm trying to do so that you guys can stop clapping. Now it's just nothing. I'm just speaking into the darkness. Now it kind of feels like that for a lot of us when we think about our relationship with God. In fact, if you were to take a look at just sort of like your average American Christian, I'm making a lot of assumptions here and speaking, you know, very broadly, uh, but bear with me for a moment. If you were just to take a look at your average American Christian, you were to look at his or her relationship with God, 
you would see that there is a lot more, I would assume, a lot more talking than there is listening, and it is a lot more one-way us to God than it is God back to us. I don't think that's right. I don't think that a one-way relationship is actually a relationship at all. You see, I think if God calls uh, us his children, if Jesus even refers to us as his friends, are we not supposed to be in some sort of communication, some sort of conversation, some sort of back and forth? Like, never throughout all of Scripture do you hear God referred to as this, like, distant, uncaring, non-communicating deity that's just sort of, like, out there. And he's definitely not just, like, an inbox for our prayers that we just sort of, like, send up and then maybe, you know, they happen, maybe they don't, maybe what we want happens, maybe it doesn't. Never in Scripture is God pictured that way. And in fact, uh, even throughout the Psalms and uh, in other texts where uh, people are crying out to God and saying, God, why are you distant? Why are you hiding your face from me? Why are you not speaking? Why do I not hear you? Even in that, you can hear throughout that sort of like the expectation from prior experience is that he does speak. Right? It's not like crying out, like, why have you been distant my entire life, and why have we never heard you, and why do you never speak to us? It's like, why right now, God, are you not speaking to me? Where are you? Why are you distant? In fact, it's common for God to speak throughout all of Scripture. Uh, Like, it's happening all the time. It happened to children. It happened to old people. It happened through visions and voices and even donkeys speaking and speakers for God in all different kinds of ways. In fact, uh, Dallas Willard, uh, in his book, Hearing God, which is actually where a lot of this sermon comes from, I can't highly recommend it enough, uh, he says this, Aside from their obviously unique historical role, however, they are not meant to be exceptional at all, talking about God speaking to people in Scripture. Rather, they are examples of the normal human life God intended for us. God's indwelling his people through personal presence and fellowship. Given our basic nature, we live and really live only through God's regular speaking in our souls. And thus, by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So here's the question. And, uh, you know, if you're a person out there that's like, God speaks to me regularly, I hear his voice, I do what I do, what it says, uh, I am, am totally on board with this, then, you know, maybe this is not for you. But I suspect there are many of you that are a lot like me that are wondering why uh, I don't hear God's voice enough or wondering uh, why I sometimes miss hearing God's voice or whatever that looks like to you. So the question then we have to ask is, why is this not happening? Why do our lives not look like the lives of people that we see in Scripture? Uh, Here's just a couple of thoughts that I have. First, I think we might not be hearing God's voice because we're talking too much. Right? Like, think about your last prayer. Think about the last time that you prayed. How much listening did you do and how much speaking did you do? If you're anything like me, uh, you know, a really bad prayer, a really lazy and careless one is one where I just like throw up something to God and I'm just like, hey, God, I want this. Give me this. Even a really good prayer, maybe modeling off of the Lord's Prayer or something like that. It still ends up me just saying a lot of things and then moving on with my day. A totally one sided relationship. Here's what I want to do for us as a church. And I'm trying to do this for myself. I'm trying to redefine prayer. Because I think typically in my head, without thinking a lot about it, I would say that uh, prayer is a time where I speak to God and he listens to me. But how self-focused is that? 
right? Like both of those things are pointing back to me. I am the one who's speaking to God. God is the one who's listening to me. His job is to listen. My job is to speak. Well, this is not at all how it should happen. Instead, I want to redefine prayer for myself by saying, I listen to God and he listens to me. Like that's the true beauty of this relationship, that we have a God who is listening to us and is speaking to us. Like the beauty of the relationship is not just sort of like the emotional, you know, joy or, or even like uh, satisfaction I get from having a God who would listen to me vent my problems. So that is nice. Actual joy is that we have a God that we can listen to. And that same God who is speaking into our world, who is speaking into all of history, who is speaking into the universe, is the same God that is still listening to even our petty and small problems. The second way that we miss out on hearing God's voice is by listening to too much else. Uh, you know, I'm not going to go super scientific or even like super biblical off of this. I'm just going to say from like very personal experience, there are really two times when I feel like God directly speaks to me and when I can sort of like trace it and track it. One is when I am way off target and he has to do something dramatic to get my attention. He actually has to sort of like shock me into listening to him again. And the other is when I'm quiet, when I'm still, when I'm silent, when I'm spending time in his word, when I'm spending time in prayer, when I'm spending time with other believers. During those times when I am calm, when I'm at peace, when I'm fully satisfied in him and who he has made me to be, that is when I can hear God. But when there's too much noise, when we're, you know, gobbling up podcasts and watching movies all the time, when we're like just stuffing our lives with constant noise from the moment that we wake up to the moment that we lay down, it is extremely difficult to sort through all of that to hear the still, small voice of God speaking to us. I think the final way that we don't hear God's voice is when we don't know uh, what to listen for. Like when we don't know it, when we actually do hear it. Dallas Willard walking through scripture found uh, that there are really six primary ways that God speaks to people throughout scripture. And there's really uh, very few reasons why we shouldn't expect or even be on the lookout for these things to happen to us today. Now, uh, they're not supposed to happen every single day. They're not supposed to, you know, be like God speaking to you, you know, minute by minute. God could do that if he wanted to. Uh, but it seems more consistently through scripture that sometimes it's really spectacular. And even more often, it is just a still small voice speaking inside of us. So these are the six ways that he lines out. Uh, there's a phenomenon plus a voice. So something dramatic plus a voice of God. Think about like a burning bush or something like that. There's a supernatural messenger or an angel. Think about the angel speaking to Mary. Uh, there are dreams and visions, like in the case of Joseph. Uh, sometimes there is an audible voice. Sometimes God speaks through a human voice, like even like through the prophets and stuff. And then finally, there is the human spirit. And this is the still small voice inside of you. This is like, uh, and it's this thing that we can't tease apart. There's no little like, you know, piece of your brain that we could point to to say this is where this happens. But it's actually this sort of like combination of your soul and the Holy Spirit living inside of you and God actually speaking into your mind. And I would say, uh, at least in my personal experience, this is the most common one, but it's also one of the most difficult ones to hear. 
because constantly there's a million things going on inside of your head and a million, you know, voices that can be from your own mind that are leading you in your own path, maybe towards selfishness or pride. And sometimes when those voices are even loud, it is difficult to hear this still small voice. But this is the way working through his mysterious supernatural means that God most often speaks to us. Now, I could talk to you forever about this, but uh, one of the things that's really cool about the How to Be series that we're going through is that we get to actually experience each of these things. So here's what I want to do. I want to walk through our psalm today and see how God might be speaking to you through it. And it's actually a psalm about God speaking to us. You know, I've said this before, the Psalms are sort of like the worship book, the, the sort of like hymnal of the church for thousands of years now. It is the way by which uh, millions of Christians throughout history have been able to connect with God. It's been a voice to their own prayers, a voice to their own hearts. Eugene Peterson says this, In a world of prayers that indulge the religious ego and cultivate passionate longings, the Psalms stand out with angular austerity. The Psalms are acts of obedience, answering the God who has addressed us, right? Answering the God who has addressed us. God's word precedes these words. These prayers don't seek God. They respond to the God who seeks us. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day, pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. Notice here that David opens the psalm with God speaking, and he actually closes, if you look at the very end, with his own speech. He opens by saying that the very sky stands up and speaks for God, and that as an afterthought, a concluding thought, that his own words and thoughts should be pleasing to God, right? Like he opens by, God, you are speaking all the time, every single day, every single night. You are conveying your truth to me. And then he concludes the psalm by saying, uh, help me to say and think the right things. Verse 3 says, there is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. David here says, creation does not speak. You don't actually hear the words, yet a voice goes out through all the earth and even to the end of the world. That's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Like even... Uh, even if you are totally distant from God, even if uh, you are not in any place ready to hear his voice, he is still speaking through all of creation, through everything that he has made. In them, he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber. Now, I intentionally didn't look up this reference to see if this was some sort of like ancient Jewish ritual. I decided to just leave it in my head uh, because I really love the image of a bridegroom leaving his chamber like the sun uh, leaves the darkness and rises every single day. I feel like we've kind of lost this, you know, like our image of a groom is like, you know, he's hanging out with the groomsmen before the wedding and kind of, you know, biting his nails anxiously and deciding whether or not to do this. But instead, uh, here we have this image of this guy coming out like a boxer before a fight, right? Like he's like busting out of the tent. He's got his gang all around him. He's like ready to go. Let's do this. Because that's really how it should happen. We as men should be glad that any woman would marry us and should actually run down the aisle in that way. That's how the sun comes up every single morning. 
And like a strong man, it runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. Now think of this now. This is the sun. Uh, it bursts it out of its tent at night like a, a, like a groom coming out of his tent. Uh, it bursts like a rocket shooting across the sky, and there is no escaping its heat. Now what David didn't know but we know now is actually happening is the world is actually spinning and it's spinning around, which is how we see the sun every single day. And as it is spinning around itself, it's also spinning around the sun. If we were shifted just a little bit, like if we got too much sun, if the world was spinning too slowly, or if we were spinning closer to the sun, or if we got too little sun, we would actually not be able to survive on this planet. Now put all of these sort of like images that are floating around in your head together, that God's word is speaking through the very creation, that it's speaking through the sun, and constantly we are spinning perfectly and spinning perfectly around it, rotating completely around it so that it provides its life to us. Like the sun is radiating heat and light so that we might be able to survive on this planet perfectly crafted to be able to just stay suspended in the vacuum of space. That type of dependency, that type of need, ought to be how we approach the Word of God. That we would see ourselves in the universe floating out in an empty vacuum of space, completely dependent on this one thing, on God speaking to us. He is like the sun speaking out, calling out to us if we would just look up and listen to Him. Verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. And the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. David moves on to speak about the law of the Lord. It is perfect. It is reviving to the soul. And if you think the Old Testament is all about rules and regulations and weird stories, I would just say here David would like to disagree. He's saying that like uh, the law of the Lord actually revives his soul. And if you've really, really spent some time reading the word of God, you would learn that it is not some dead book with a bunch of rules that don't apply to you anymore. It is not, you know, just a, a list of names and stuff like that. But it is actually the word of God speaking directly to you. I mean, if you're sitting here through this whole thing and you're like, God has never spoken to me. I would just say, man, like, grab your Bible. God is speaking even right now through Scripture directly to you. This is not just some sort of, like, regular ancient text, but this is actually a supernatural collection of works, collections of God-inspired words to His people and through His people to you. I mean, think about it. It gets passed down through so many hands throughout history. It gets translated and recopied all so that it could come to you, so that God might speak to you through his word. David goes on to say, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. 
He's saying that these words are not empty. These words are not just things that you read and have no effect on you, but actually they lead you into a way of living that then gets you even more in touch with God and the way that he meant for us to live as human beings. Then he starts to make this transition, right? So he's been talking all about God. Then he's talking about God's word. And now he's making this transition to himself. And he says, who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. I love this moment of self-awareness from David. He says, who can know all of their own, all of their own faults? Who can ever be so sure of themselves that they have no hidden faults, no hidden sins? He asked that God would keep him from these sins. That in speaking directly into David's life, he might be able to see sins that he has a blind spot to. Imagine, I mean, think about the things that you have blind spots to or that you've been confronted with having a blind spot to. Imagine if you were able to listen to God because it is not hidden to him. He knows exactly what it is. He knows exactly what's holding you back. He knows exactly that sin that is just lurking inside of you that you may not have even recognized as a sin that is keeping you from living the life that he has planned for you. That is keeping you from his plan for human flourishing. He asked that God would keep him from these sins. The message version actually says, keep me from stupid sins, from the kind of sins that make me think I can take over your work then I shall be blameless. And then finally, he ends by asking that his own words and his own thoughts be acceptable to God. He says this in verse 14, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is all that we want as human beings. In fact, whether you like recognize it or not, and, and no matter where you are on your journey, even if you're just sort of testing out Christianity, this is actually like what your heart is crying out for. That the words of your mouth and the meditation of your heart would be acceptable in the eyes of your loving creator. That deep down in the very uh, bottom of our soul, all we hunger for is to show ourselves to be acceptable in the eyes of our creator. And we as human beings can never actually achieve this. We can't achieve this by our own means, but only by the word of God made flesh in Jesus Christ. That actually, uh, and and this is amazing that he sort of like uh, John opens up his depiction of Jesus's life by saying uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us because the same word of God that spoke the world into being the same word of God that is speaking through his uh, word, through his text, the scripture, and that is speaking through all of creation throughout all of history is the same word that comes down and is embodied in Jesus Christ. The same word that would die on the cross for your sins and for mine so that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart might be seen as acceptable. That all of those hidden sins might be forgiven. All of those presumptuous sins might be uh, erased by the blood of Jesus Christ. That same word that came down and lived in human form, that lived as Jesus Christ, is the same word the same power that God wants to speak to you today.
So my prayer and my hope for all of us is that we might first not just think of ourselves as praying people, not just think of ourselves as people that God listens to, but first and foremost, that we might think and start every single day as people who are listening actively for the word of God. He is kind. He is generous. He is gracious. And in spite of all of our faults, in spite of all of our problems and our distractions and everything that we bring to the table, he is kind to speak his word to us. Enjoy that today. Thanks for listening. We hope it brought you closer to Jesus and more in touch with the world around you. Being a Christian in today's culture can be hard. Fortunately, he gives us the gift of community through his church. So we would love to invite you to join us for one of our Sunday morning gatherings or for one of our weekly small groups. All the details you need can be found on our website, dwelldenver.org.